Want some lunch for your ears? Lunch with legs. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Lunch with Legs. Legs Malone here, wishing you all a wonderful hello and warm spring greetings. I am so happy that spring is just about here, although New York is about to get a, another snowstorm apparently, but I'm sure it's just going to be a little little whisper of a rainstorm. How about that for some creative, <laughs> some creative wishing? I am so ready for spring. Oh my God. And I have to say, this week's episode is perfectly timed. Um, I actually recorded this particular interview this past weekend out in Coney Island, and uh, more on that in just a second. But I just wanted to uh, check in with everybody and let you all know it was brought to my attention that some people are having some difficulty streaming the podcast off of our website. And I apologize for that. I'm going to look into that. Uh, But in the meantime, if you want, I would recommend streaming directly from iTunes. You can subscribe to the podcast there so each episode of Lunch with Legs will get delivered straight into your My Podcasts app on your phone or on your computer. And uh, also, you should be able to get the stream uninterrupted. So if you do continue to have trouble with this, uh, again, my apologies. Please let us know. Reach out to me and Dave. You can reach us at lunchwithlegs at (sighs) gmail.com. Enough of that. Let's get ready for our interview. I am so excited to bring this week's episode to your ears. I had the great pleasure of interviewing the one and only Great Fredini. Actually, it is the Great Fredini, straight out of Coney Island, USA, a.k.a. Fred Call, who is a wonderful guy. I met him years ago when I first started working at the Burlesque at the Beach, uh, sideshows by the seashore down in Coney. Um, I don't know if you guys have not been there, just please make a priority to get there this summer. Coney Island, USA absolutely needs your support more than ever. They got hit really hard by Hurricane Sandy, but it's also just a wonderful treasure trove of delicious freakdom. I mean, they have the, to the best of my knowledge, the only, uh, you know, fixed circus sideshow in the entire United States where you can go to a theater and see the freak show throughout the summer. Uh, They also have Burlesque at the Beach. They produced the world-famous Mermaid Parade, which, if you have not been to, happens on the Saturday right around the summer solstice, and it is a bacchanalia under the full sun, if you're lucky, otherwise under sheeting rain. Either way, you'll have a blast. Anyway, I'm getting distracted because I love Coney so much, and I immediately wanted to interview Fredini for this because he last year opened up the Scan-O-Rama, the Coney Island Scanorama to be precise, uh, which is located on Surf Avenue uh, in a little storefront that used to be occupied by a psychic next to the main Coney Island USA building at 1208 Surf Avenue, which is located on the corner of Surf Avenue and West 12th Street. 
Uh, Fridini is there as of right now every Saturday, and you can go in and get a 3D portrait scan of yourself. He was very fortunate in getting a great Kickstarter campaign underway, and he completed it, met his goal, and he is doing some seriously cool stuff. But anyway, enough of me talking about it. I'm going to let Fred tell you all about it. So go ahead, pour yourself a cup of something good, get real comfortable, and get ready for this week's guest, the great Fridini. All right, Fridini, Fred Call, thank you so much for being on today's episode. It's such a pleasure to be interviewing you. How are you today? I'm great. It's a beautiful day in Coney Island. It is a beautiful day, actually. We are. This is technically the second day of spring. And because uh, yesterday was the spring equinox, or was it yesterday or two days ago? Anyway, either way, it's springtime. I got a daffodil. <laughs> Did you? Someone gave me a daffodil on Aww. the first day of spring. Oh, sweet. I actually saw some snowdrops today. Oh. Those little white flowers. Oh, okay. Got you. They're usually the ones that poke <laughs> up through the snow. Those and nice. crocuses. Right. But Easter's late this year, so we can wait. Um, but yet, and as a note to our listeners, we are recording on Surf Avenue, so we are going to be getting a lot of Coney Island realness passing us, including the trains and traffic and people and probably... The Eldorado bumper cars. <laughs> bump, bump, bump your ass off. <laughs> Is that on? I heard they closed. No, they're open. You they can are. Hear, you hear the sirens every now and again. Oh, well, hopefully we'll have a, an Eldorado intervention on the podcast. Yep. But we are here because we are sitting outside your amazing booth, the Scanorama. Right, we're here at Coney Island Scanorama, the world's first affordable 3D portrait studio, <laughs> where we we make uh, 3D portraits of you. You come in, it takes about a minute, you stand on a little turntable, spin around, we make a 3D photo of you, and then 3D print it out as a sculpture. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Um, and now, how long have you been doing the Scanorama? Uh, how long is this actual facade, this little... So uh, this is a former fortune teller's booth. You can see on the side, she speaks seven different languages. <laughs> and then over here, it says, Your handwriting reveals your character. Wow. I remember uh, when the fortune tellers were here. Yep. And uh, so they... Uh, this... The, so we've been in this booth since the Mermaid Parade last year was our first day. So we're coming up on a year here. I'm only open on Saturdays right now. But I, we have my intern, Dean, here. My son, Kostya, swears he's going to help this <laughs> summer. Uh, over, He's on break from college, and uh, hopefully he'll come out. And we're trying to be open at least Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and maybe even weekdays. Um, once the so season kicks off? Once the season kicks off. So Coney Island Scanorama, uh, you know, we've done custom wedding cake toppers for people and just family portraits and all kinds of things. So, you know, we make you, you your own statue. Do you do you know offhand how many 3D models you've made of people, 3D printouts? I've scanned well over a 1,000 people. Wow. Probably. I'm guessing it's pushing 2,000 people that we've scanned. Holy shit. All that in a year? Did you get started prior to... Well, we did a couple Maker Fairs. So, yes. New York Maker Fair, we scanned uh, over 200 people at Maker Fair. Wow. So, we kind of started out as, you know, this is a hobby. You know, basically, I've been interested in 3D printing and kind of started exploring uh, 3D scanning 
there's some people who here you can hear the bumper cars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, we started exploring using an Xbox Connect controller hmm. with some software connected to a computer that enabled you to make these 3D models and. It was possible to do kind of busts of people, but nobody had really figured out how to do full-body 3D scanning. And I invented this contraption. We call it the Scanatron 3000 <laughs> full-body scanner. And basically, you stand on a turntable, you spin around, and we move the camera up and down. And in about a minute, we can create a 3D model that, in theory, is ready for 3D printing with very little processing. And the whole goal is to create a clean workflow for doing these full body scans. And um, here we are practicing and, uh, you know, trying to figure out is this the portrait studio of the future? Yeah, I mean, this is a relatively very new technology. And you're, I mean, would, would you agree with the statement that you are at the forefront? You know, one of the people who, and like you said, you invented the, the turntable with the, you know, up and down camera. Well... The there's a 3D printing has actually been around for 30 years. It's not that new oh, okay. of a technology. Um, what is new is that in the last couple of years, all of the patents have started to expire, and that's what oh. has really enabled it to become to transform from something that's very high end, only accessible to you know corporations with deep pockets to being more of this desktop technology that artists and bring it to the people bring it to the people <laughs> so all this advances in 3D printing has really come through the open source hardware movement of people who are really into creating the RepRap project which is a project that made the ideas uh, 3D printers that could print more 3D printers and the idea of uh, rapid replication and being able to make as many parts of the printers be 3D printable so that the machines wow. could reproduce. So yeah. there's this big uh, movement uh, away from closed source hardware to open source hardware where people share the plans and then other people in the crowd you know, innovate upon that and there's all this interchange of information among the open source community. And all this stuff has really been happening really quickly, and it's really exciting. And I saw kind of a hole in terms of there's a lot of focus on being able to print stuff out, but uh, with scanning, there wasn't that much out there. And so I open sourced the designs for the Scanatron. And, you know, there's at this point, I think there's, I know. There's probably about a hundred copies of it that have been built worldwide, and people in Europe are building it. And um, I'm hoping somebody else contributes to the Scanatron project and helps innovate on that as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. How, what's the response been since you started doing it? Because you had a whole Kickstarter campaign, um, and you're working towards. You were just before we started recording. You were telling me about how the show is coming up, and would you? Could you care? Would you care to expand on that for? Sure. Listeners? So, well, I have a long storied history of working at Coney Island, and, and I Coney do want to hear that story so, as well. You can start wherever you want. <laughs> boy, so much to tell. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's start way back, and then we'll bring it back to 3D printing. Um, 
I started hanging out in Coney Island in the, I don't know, mid-early 80s, uh, probably about 1983-84 is when I first came out here. Should I wait for the F train to finish <laughs> going by? <laughs> oh, it adds. <laughs> it adds some put- That's actually the queue. Okay. But whatever. Um, <laughs> so I started coming out here way back when I first moved to New York and uh, have definitely seen a lot of changes happen over the years. But um, around the time I finished college, late 80s, I started hanging out. Dick had formed Coney Island USA, and the sideshow was just starting back up. And I spent a a decade uh, first in the sideshow, where I started as a magician, learned to hammer nails into my head, became the human blockhead, taught myself sword swallowing wow. and uh, appeared with the sideshow for a long time. Got kind of burned out just in terms of there's not a lot of upward track in the sideshow business and kind of was ready to move on. Uh, and that's when I went back to school and it, that was right around the time the internet really took off with the World Wide Web. So uh, started doing computer stuff for a living and then founded Burlesque at the Beach, our uh, 20-some-odd-year-old program here at Coney Island, Um, and I've just been involved with Coney Island USA ever since, and just, uh, I guess I should explain what Coney Island USA is. Please. Coney Island USA is a nonprofit arts center based in Coney Island, Brooklyn. We do a lot of the arts programming at Brooklyn's Amusement Park Beach, so... um, you know, Coney Island is a, a over a century old amusement park by the beach. It's a lot of small operators that run different rides, and Coney Island USA just sort of formed in the middle of it. We have a theater program with sideshows by the seashore, burlesque at the beach, winter theatrical plays. We put on the Mermaid Parade, which is the world's which is largest, amazing. largest art parade in the world. Um, there's the Coney Island Film Festival and the Film Society. They do Saturday evening film screenings here. We have the Coney Island Museum of Coney Island history and kind of creative, uh, you know, artistic uh, stuff related to amusement parks. Um, there's really a whole breadth of arts programming here, and it all kind of originates out of Coney Island, USA. So I just really found... You know, identified with the organization, fell in with the sideshow, created Burlesque at the Beach uh, out of wanting to stay involved, doing some kind of performance stuff out here. And now I'm on the board of directors and just kind of, you know, keeping my my foot in the door. Yeah. Uh, so the Scanorama project is, this is another one of Coney Island USA's programs where we are this year's artist incubator program so they basically have a little bit of space that is open to have artists come in and create new businesses and the idea is that you know by giving us a year in the space it lets us kind of get our this new business ideas off the ground and we're really exploring this intersection of 3d scanning and printing and thinking of it in terms of the evolution of this long history of portraiture that 
has existed in amusement parks. If you think about things like silhouette cutting, yeah. photography, your photo on a mug or a t-shirt. Or in those little viewfinder thing above us. Yeah, exactly. Like, so we're seeing this as sort of the or Moldorama machines. Do you know about no. Moldorama? That was a vending machine in the 60s where you could kind of put in a dollar and it would uh, injection mold a sculpture for you. Wow. Um, so this is sort of, we're seeing this as the 21st century evolution of all this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. That's spectacular. And so as of right now, when does the season begin this year? Well, the season always starts at... Easter weekend is the first really big weekend, so Palm Sunday, the week before, things sort of open for a test run, and then Memorial Day to Labor Day is the the real season season. But yeah. uh, Easter through the Easter through the end of September is the sort of formal season. Cool. And anybody can anybody come in and and see you here at the Scanorama? So right now I'm only open on Saturdays. I'm working for working towards trying to get at least Friday, Saturday, Sunday, maybe even more uh, if I can get some of these guys trained up and uh, run in the business. Mm -hmm. And um, so we're hoping to be around a little more. Very cool. Very cool. Now, I have, I have two questions. One is I would love to hear about the Luna Park exhibit that you are creating oh, right. for the museum. But then I'd also love to know what's happening with Coney Island, period, right now. The whole... Thor sure. thing, and I mean, Coney has had such a sort of wild run these last several years. Yeah, so um, there's a whole saga of what uh, what's gone on here in terms of there was Astroland Park, uh, which is next to the cyclone, was next to the cyclone. Uh, the family of Astroland had kind of pressured Carol Albert, who was the wife of Jerry Albert who owned the place. Well, so she was running the park while Jerry Albert had a long decline with Alzheimer's mm. and the family just wanted her to sell it and get out because they wanted, you know, like the land was worth a lot of money. So they kind of were, and then she regretted doing it, but it really wasn't her, it was her family's, her husband's family's property, right? Yeah. So Astroland was kind of squeezed out and Thor Equities bought it. The city then worked a, de a land trade with Thor to get that land. And really the Bloomberg administration has really been focused on uh, rezoning the area with this goal of sort of creating a, an opportunity for economic growth. And they did do a smart thing with getting the Astroland land and then leasing out to Zamperla, which opened Luna Park. And Luna, so Zamperla is an Italian ride manufacturer, and they wanted to have Luna Park as their showcase of all these rides that they manufactured. So they really have done a beautiful job of creating this park. Unfortunately, it's not enough land is really the problem. But they have been expanding slowly, and they're about to build a new roller coaster down uh, next to the baseball stadium. Oh, I heard about they're that. They're building, they just broke ground this week, and wow. they're building a, the Thunderbolt, uh, yes. which was one of the roller coasters that used to be there and was destroyed by Rudolph Giuliani. Um, really? 
so they're bringing back a Thunderbolt. It's going to have a loop-de-loop in it. Oh, Jesus. Um, it's going to be pretty, it's pretty crazy looking. But basically what happened was around this time, there was a whole rezoning of Coney Island. And that was the big controversy because previously there were 60 acres over here that were largely empty, that were all zoned for amusements. In the rezoning, they were going to bring it down to 15, and then at the zero hour, they chopped it down to uh, less than 10, like oh nine and a half. God. So it's really scary because it could be, you know, it could just be like whatever, high-rise condos or something that are brought in, and I think that's a concern. I think the concessions were, like, some of these lots now are zoned for 30-story towers. And right here along the next Yeah, like that, that corner right there. Where the bank zoned, used to be, yeah? That's zoned for a 30-story tower. Shut up! But oh that could... God. And then the thing that's scary is they zoned it for, I think, for, like, a hotel. Which, of course, if you go and build a 30-story hotel and the hotel goes bankrupt in a year, what else do you have to do but put condos in there right yeah and then the moment you have residents there they're going to complain about the noise and then the amusement park's going to be in trouble fortunately the economy what we're seeing is a lot of the land that is no longer zoned for amusements is actually still getting amusements so we're right now we're seeing a lot of the amusement area grow the concern is that over time whenever the markets bounce back and developers start really planning building these tall buildings it could potentially not be good for the amusements area so we'll it's all unfolding you know in front of our eyes right now and we'll see what happens i think what coney island usa like our position is it's good that there's change happening here uh luna park has been really great for the area uh, we want to see more amusements coming in, so it's great. Things like the Thunderbolt coming in. Um, these big high-rises really truthfully should have been zoned on the on, other, side, on the other side of Surf Avenue. So you have a nice view of the beach. Right. Whereas, you know, if you build a 30-story tower here, as you come into Coney Island on the train, you won't see the Wonder Wheel. You'll see a big tower right. blocking your view. So that wasn't a smart zoning move, but... Uh, who knows? It could be rezoned again. Wow. Uh, but it's not going to be. Um, we'll see. You know, it, it, it's all changing. It is. Enough. <laughs> it is. I mean, I so, heard, Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. I you. was about to say, um, Donnie uh, was telling me, uh, talking about the heyday of Coney back in, you know, turn of the century before. It was Luna Park was the first one to burn, wasn't it? Was that the first amusement park to... Uh, actually, Steeplechase was the first major fire. Yes, of and course. then, well, actually, that's... I guess Steeplechase... Now I can't remember. Dreamland fire was the Dreamland, big fire. Dreamland, that's the one I'm thinking so of. So 1911, Dreamland yes. burned. And that was the most catastrophic fire that ever happened out here. Uh, and then Steeplechase and Luna Park both had smaller fires, but... Um, just to bring it back to my project, the so I did a Kickstarter last summer, and I'm trying to bring together my interest in historic Coney Island and all this 3D printing, 3D scanning stuff, 
And what I'm working on is a creating a model of turn of the century Coney Island, mm. uh, specifically Luna Park, which was this kind of fantastical landscape of towers and minarets. Uh, they were designed by this crazy alcoholic architect, Frederick Thompson. He was a <laughs> he was a dropout from the Beaux Arts Academy in Paris. And he mixed and matched all these architectural styles, eastern minarets with Renaissance details and different, you know, pagodas and Hindu temples and fairy tale castles and and then the whole thing was covered with Thomas Edison's new invention, the electric light bulb. Right. So it was this it was literally built around this ride they had unveiled at the World's Fair called the Trip to the Moon. In a way, it's the first theme ride based on a movie. Uh, you know, if you think of Emelier's movie, Trip to the Moon, um, uh, you know, Melier, the Trip to the Moon ride. I, I mean, I've seen footage of it in old pictures. So this was, they basically created this ride that simulated a voyage going to the moon. So you oh, would okay. kind of sit in the swing of this... Uh, spacecraft that fly flew and I think they had sort of scrolling dioramas on the side so you felt like you were traveling out of the Earth's atmosphere and to the moon and then you were greeted by midgets and moon costumes and (laughs) escorted through caverns made of green cheese and and so that was their signature ride that started at a World's Fair uh, the founder of Steeplechase Park brought it to Steeplechase for a season and they saw this opportunity to create their own park and Luna Park was literally like this trip to the moon was the signature ride but you went in and it was this fantastical landscape so wow. I started uh, sculpting and 3D software building all the architecture from the park mm-hmm. and 3D printing it and then all my Kickstarter backers are getting 3D scanned, and there'll be the crowd and the model. So Amazing. We're going to be up in the Coney Island Museum. Uh, when does that open? Memorial Day weekend. Oh, wow. Which is the so last weekend in May this year? Yeah. It's usually the last weekend yep. in May, isn't it? So we'll, we have a, a platform being built for it, and wow. it's going to be really cool. That's fantastic. Well, because what I was going to say earlier was... Um, Donnie had said, you know, we're all children just playing in the ashes of Coney Island, what it was all those years ago, which I know is kind of nihilistic, but in the same way, like, you know, the Coney, what it was back then, I mean, the world has changed dramatically since then, you know, in the last hundred some odd years. Um, But it's really, I mean, when I first got introduced to Coney Island, it was when the rezoning was just starting to happen, Mm -hmm. and all the stuff was on the table, and Thor was being exposed as sort of evil developer that it really was um, with, what's his name, Joe Joe Sid, who says he's all for Coney, but I don't believe him. Um, But yeah, and now fast forwarding to, you know, well, what what can we create now with what we have in in a kind of uncertain context? I mean, architecturally and urban planning wise, it sounds like. I guess that was kind of one of my motivations for why I wanted to do this project is I see all this development and they build this stuff that's like a refrigerator box, right? So, you know, I'm hoping in my small way to kind of like give a glimpse into the grandeur that once was this 
You know, in a way, it's the predecessor of what Las Vegas is now. Right. Is, right? This is the first ever amusement park in the world, no? Uh, I mean, there's there were other things like that around, but this was, you know, the World Columbian Exposition in 1893 in Chicago was the genesis of what Coney Island was to become. That was where the first Ferris wheel was showcased, oh, and it wow. was what's called a white city. You know, a lot of the buildings were just plaster and lath. I mean, the Ferris wheel they built for that held something like 2,000 people. Every car was Holy the size shit. of a yellow school bus. It took an hour to go around. Oh, my uh, God. Yeah, it was like 60 people per car. They had, like, a bar on the car, like someone was serving drinks, and it took a full hour to go around in that thing. Oh, my God. So, wow. Um, it wasn't even finished. They wanted it to be their answer to the Eiffel Tower. Of course. Because the Eiffel Tower premiered in Paris like a couple years prior. So they wanted it to be their version. So George Tillieu, who grew up in Coney Island, there were already, this was like the Hamptons, right? There were resorts here. It was a very elite destination with things like the Oriental Hotel or the Brighton Beach Hotel. Um, he goes on his honeymoon to Chicago. And, you know, the way the World's Fair, the World Columbian Exposition was set up, there was this white city that was all neoclassical architecture, but it's all made out of plaster, right? So all these fountains and statues, everything was all plaster, just made to last for one year and then go away. Um, and they had all these halls with, you know, hall of industry and all this stuff. But then the real action was the midway behind it. And they would bring in, you know, they had a whole Eskimo village and like African huts and, you know, all like a, the Tyrolean mountains oh and God. all these kinds of things. And um, so... That was the real... That's where Little Egypt danced the... Yes, you know, the, the infamous hoochie cooch, whatever, or whatever it was. Whatever, the dance of the dance. seven veils yeah. or whatever it was, right? Um, so he was so excited and he got... He saw the Ferris wheel and he tried to contact George Ferris and commission one. He could only afford one half the size. So he comes back to Coney Island and puts up a sign... On this site will be unveiled the world's largest Ferris wheel. <laughs> it's half the size or quarter the size or something, but nobody knew and nobody cared, you know. It was just... Um, but that's like classic Coney Island showmanship. Totally, totally. And he's the one who created Steeplechase, yes? Right. And that's where the famous Coney face comes from, the Tilly. Right. Was that and that was the steeplechase face. Was that his face or was it just a cartoon? No, so sort of? actually the the name Tilly comes from Asbury Park. So steeplechase oh. actually there were a number of steeplechases, so he opened one. I believe they had a uh, steeplechase in Asbury Park and Atlantic City. So people started calling it Tilly because his name was Till You. But um, you know, really, it never had a name. It was just called the Funny Face, and uh, that was more. Tilly is specifically a, like an Asbury Park okay, term. Okay, noted. Because I've seen the same exact same face down there. Yeah. Wow. 
Um, so that was really Steeplechase was the beginning of the real amusement park, Coney Island. Prior to that, there had been some early stuff like the Iron Tower, uh, which was basically just an elevator, uh, <laughs> like an observation tower, and there was the Elephant Hotel. Yes. But which then with burned. Lunar, right? Uh, but you know, there's this whole history of all this stuff like the roller coaster the hot dog the electric light bulb infant incubators there's always been a tradition of innovation and technology being showcased as entertainment here right and that's why i think scanorama is perfect for it because it fits in this tradition that is very american very coney island where you know, Disneyland does a lot of that with like Tomorrowland or something. Or I remember going to Disney in the in the seventies, and you know they were showcasing uh, laser discs, you know, and video phones and things like that. <laughs> oh, wow! Like, this is and this whole notion of technology as entertainment is very unique to Coney Island. And, so that's why I think it need, the world needs Scanorama. I'm into that. <laughs> I, I, I feel very fortunate to have been able to be scanned by you. Uh, I don't know if I'll make it into the... Oh, um, for sure. i got to get you guys uh, printed print out. out. Yeah. <laughs> now, I have to say, bring it back to the Scanorama. I don't know if any of my listeners are, you know, have tried 3D printing. What are some of the challenges that you had not anticipated? Like we were talking about supports, for instance, in the actual printing. And if somebody has a free floating arm or short cuff or, you know, something that when it starts printing, because it starts from the bottom up, sort of spits this like liquid plastic or... Yeah, so 3D printing... Uh, well, there's different methods of 3D printing first off, but the, I'm working with what's called an FDM printer. So essentially it's a it's called filament deposition modeling. Basically the printer is a hot glue gun okay. essentially, and there's a, a feed of wire, of plastic wire that's being melted and squirting out by a nozzle that's controlled by a computer. So uh, you feed it a model... And it basically builds it in a series of layers, but the layers are very, very thin. They're, you know, the thickness of a sheet of paper. And it's just like the way an ink printer works, where instead of squirting ink on the paper, it's squirting out plastic. And then once it's done with one layer, the bed moves a little further away and it draws another layer and it just builds it up over time. So any overhanging little bits, there's a way in software that you can generate support for it. And um, it will, you know, the, the supports are bits of plastic you break off to finish the model, basically. And then you burnish it or finish it off with a sort of heat gun? Or yeah, I use like a, a heat gun to just sort of smooth the surface and make it pretty again. Wow. And I, I, as I, I mean, I'm going to post some pictures of, uh, of the machine at work with uh, the, some of the models, there's so many different colors the plastic comes in to yep. print out the figurines. And there's more advanced printers as well that can print full color. Um, I just am, you know, I'm just, I have limited means, so I'm kind of like working 
with what I can afford and uh, for my installation it's all going to be the same color it's all going to be this kind of off-white color oh, wow. and uh, just kind of go with like a simple it's it's really about the form not about uh, creating all the colors and stuff yeah 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 it's amazing I'm loving I'm loving the Coney soundscape we're getting right now by the way <laughs> definitely We've got the cement truck and the bumper cars yet another train pulling into the station this time so what what does this summer hold for I mean do you apart from the big and that's the cement truck um, <laughs> <laughs> so your show opens in the museum at the beginning of the summer, basically yep. Memorial Day weekend. How and long it, is that going to run? How long? How when can people come see that? Is it as long as the museum's open? It'll so the museum. I forget the museum hours, but it, in the summer it's pretty much open every single day. Um, and the the show is going to be sort of a living installation in that as long as it's open, I'm going to just keep building out the model. So. Awesome. Uh, I have five printers going nonstop, and wow. they're just printing all the time. So, you know, I'm I'm kind of like right now I'm building out the boardwalk and balconies of Luna Park, and then the next step up. By the time the show is open, I hope to have the three main towers and this big loop of boardwalk going. Now, how did you scan those? Did you just plug in architectural plans, or no, so they're not standing anymore? Well, so there's different ways of generating 3D models, right? So the people are scanned. The architecture, I'm working off historic photographs, and I'm building in software. So I'm literally, you know, I'm building out of, like, bl blocks and kind of, like... Uh, trying to recreate all the detailing on the buildings and just really consulting with photos and so those are modeled as opposed to scanned. Yeah. Wow. How big is it going to be when it's? I mean, the not necessarily. I mean, how? Okay, let me rephrase. How big do you uh, project it is going to be? So the main it's one thirteenth scale. And again, these are just sort of eyeballed off of photographs, so none of the measurements are, you know, scientifically correct, but they're just sort of like, based on the height of the scan figures I'm printing, which are 1 13th scale, uh, the main tower is four and a half feet tall. Wow. And oh my God. I don't have enough space to do the full Luna Park in the museum. And that may take years, so we'll see that was what over, we It get was a to. couple acres, wasn't it? Well, it was right there. That was the entrance across the street, the blue and yellow, right there. What that is now was, Lago Furniture? Yes, exactly. So that was the entrance way. And did it go like, that like? And it went back all the, the way tracks. to Neptune Avenue. So oh, you actually wow. entered the entrance of Luna Park was under the train tracks, oh and the train gosh. tracks existed as Luna Park was open as well. They're built. Uh, at some point. Um, and those are the Luna Park houses. That's called Luna Park. Called but that okay. is Luna Park. So oh, there's wow. a main promenade that runs parallel to 12th Street. So Trip to the Moon was down 12th Street on the right. Like that was the back of Trip to the Moon. And, you know, basically on as you entered, there would be the Japanese gardens, it was all pagodas and stuff on the right, and that was like an upper terrace kind of thing. And underneath they had 
the uh, canals of Venice where you can take gondola rides. Yes, yeah, so I've seen pictures of this. This was all swampland, actually. So they had kind of like uh, had that. Trip to the Moon was on your right. Beyond that was the Naval Spectorium. It was like a naval battle reenactment kind of thing. Uh, it changed up a lot. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea was an attraction there at one point. Uh, they had something called the Mountain Torrent, which was like a... Actually, there were two things. There was... Oh, God, I'm blanking out. <laughs> it was called something else, and then it became the Mountain Torrent, which was kind of like a roller coaster scenic railway, but it I think it had water. So you're in a, like a boat with wheels, basically. Um, I'm having a senior moment. I can't remember what it was called. <laughs> no worries. Um, You'll remember oh it. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, anyway, it was called something before the mountain torrent, but it was the same thing. Then there was uh, Dragon's Gorge, and then it kind of opened into this main uh, open area, and uh, there were, had all these towers, and... They changed it so much year to year. That's one of the challenges is like what, like every single year the park changed. They had at one point like a giant Hindu temple in there and a whole Hindu village. Other years, you know, there were other things. I didn't realize it changed so much. I thought it was pretty fixed as was. Oh, no. Every year that changed out. Wow. There was a ride called the Witching Waves and basically you sat in a rolling chair and it was a sheet metal floor that had motors underneath so the sheet metal flexed and formed these waves and the undulation of the waves pushed the rolling chairs forward oh wow yeah it was kind of crazy damn um all these weird rides you know slides big slides and uh you know, giant polished wood slides that you could go down. There's a there was a documentary that you guys showed in the Coney in the Coney Island gift shop here um, a lot, and it showed a lot of the old footage of some of the games. And I don't know if this particular amusement that I'm thinking of in my mind was at Luna Park, but it was like a floor with spinning discs, and people yep. just sort of like got shot in and would just get sort of spun around. And right, so that was at Steeplechase. Oh, that um, was at Steeplechase. Okay. There's a couple. There was one called the Human Roulette Wheel where you sat in the middle and it spun faster and faster and faster and eventually everybody just slid off the middle. (laughs) And then that other thing. There's so like that thing of the spinning discs on the floor. Like I just imagine there must have been so many fingers ripped off. I was just about to say how that like health and safety is not what or was not what it is now. I don't mean to laugh. I mean, it's grim as shit, but still, Jesus. Yeah. But even, well, like, they, the horses at Steeplechase, like, all of that. Right. No no seatbelts holding you on. Um, totally. It was a different era. But the thing that was amazing about Steeplechase was, coming out of the Victorian era, it gave men, like, couples this ability to, like, hug each other in public, Right. Like, you ride the steeplechase horse, like, you get to put your arms around the girl and, like, hug her to keep her from falling off. And uh, there were all these, you know, there were really, his whole theory of fun was people like to laugh at each other. So the whole park was full of all these gags. So things like benches that collapse when you sit on them and you fall on the ground. 
uh, things like stairs that move or, you know, entering through the barrel, you know, like the barrel of fun, like the entrance on the boardwalk was this rotating barrel and you have to walk through this thing and you're twisting and falling and, and people really love to, you know, just entertain one another and be entertained by these kind of things. And then the famous thing was the blowhole theater. So as you exit the park, you find yourself standing on a stage in a theater and there's a clown with a slapstick trying to chase you and slap you on the ass or or with an electric prod trying to zap you oh and God. they chase the girl over the An spot. air jet or something? Yeah, this air jet in the floor, the blowhole. And the, the jet of air would blow and her skirt would go up around her head. Oh my and um, there's a really famous photo of a guy in a kilt uh, <laughs> trying to hold his kilt down. Oh, and then uh, and they're shocking you with an electric kettle cattle prod. Jesus. And they're stealing the man's hat. And... and, uh, and they're mortified because uh, you know the girl's underwear has been seen, and and they get off the stage, and then the whole theater is cracking up, and then they sit and watch the next people, oh and my God. periodically they had to actually close the theater and just empty the place out because people would spend so long. So Damn. it was just really um, That's uh, amazing. We got some. Real. You got some visitors. Yeah, yeah. Dean will. Dean will take care of them. Hey, welcome. How cool! First people that have come up to yeah, see yeah. the scanorama while we've been talking. You guys did one? No, this is actually my business. We're a 3D portrait studio, so we uh, we take a 3D portrait of you, and you can see the machine going over here. Uh, so you get your own statue. Wow. The, the scan takes a minute, and then the prints take anywhere from four to eight hours, so four to twelve hours, really, depending on how many people or how how difficult the scan is. What's that? Summertime it gets busy. Oh yeah. So we uh, and then we mail it to you, so you don't have to wait around or something like that. So. So we, uh, yeah, the price is based on how long the print takes. So it's uh, it's sixty dollars for one person, and it's a hundred for a group of two or three. So we do like custom wedding cake toppers or all different stuff. You're interviewing for what? Uh, I have a podcast. A podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. It's called Lunch with Legs. Uh, because I own the uh, I own a restaurant, a bar, and a theater in Queens. We're trying to bring Vegas to New York City, actually. Oh wow! Nice. Oh, cool. Do you want come by, check out the show, and interview some of the magicians and stuff? You know? Amazing. There's different things going on every day. Oh, you're a magician. Yeah, yeah. I also own the magic shop in Queens for the last 15 years. Wow. Um, Freaky Fridays for adults only. Saturdays, family night. That's tonight. Oh, that's Sunday's cool. bar magic night. The barmaids do magic behind the bar. Monday and Tuesday's open mic. Wednesday's karaoke. And Thursday's ladies night. We turn into a nice. club and lounge. In Where in Queens is this? It's uh, Rico Park. Oh, very cool. That's awesome. I'd love to see your act. Check it out. I'm the magician. I was the sword swallower in the sideshow here before for years. So. I'm always looking for new talent. Take my card. Do you ever do burlesque there? I do. Oh, you do? I'm a burlesque performer. No, no, no. no. Oh, you don't. Burlesque. I will be doing it. Thank you will you be doing it. Yes. Well, I, I have geek acts already. I will, I will email you. Awesome. 
Performer, yeah. You have a card also? I do. Oh wow, look at this. Promotion. Always prepared. Alright, here we are. We're back on. Is that real? Yeah. Yeah. What? Those things are real people? Yeah. we're going to get him to hold still long enough like the problem is you it takes about a minute to do the scan so um you got to let me show you what here we're just in about 45 minutes so we can begin to wrap it up so we have we have covered so much ground I want you to start listing off all of the different websites and places that people can find you and Scanorama and even like some good resources for Coney Island history for those who are curious about it but have much more to learn all right so everything all my work and information about Scanorama can be found at thegreatfredini.com that's F-R-E-D-T-H-E-G-R-E-A-T-F-R-E-D-I-N-I.com. Yep. Um, we have, of course, of course, ConeyIsland.com, which is Coney Island USA's website. And that has all the information about Scanorama, Scanorama Hours and the Coney Island Museum and the Coney Island Sideshow, Burlesque at the Beach. Uh, what else more do you need? I don't know. How about um, some, like, any good, like, for people to learn more about Coney, like, any good documentaries that you recommend? Well, there's, I mean, also there's the Coney Island History Project. Yes. Which, I don't know the URL off the top of my head. I'd just Google it. They have this Google <laughs> thing these days. Uh, I, it's like, is it ConeyIsland.org? I don't know. Um... But they're they're located underneath the um, the blah, blah. under the Wonder Wheel over uh, here yeah. on Twelfth Street. Um, but their website is great, and they have all these archives of photos of Coney Island history. Charles Denson's book Coney Island yes. Lost and Found is really great. Uh, the the who is it? Ken Burns? Yes. No, or his brother. I don't know. I'll get Rick Burns. I think is the one that did the Coney Island documentary. Because there was one Ken that you Burns guys were brother. playing in the right. in the gift shop that was excellent. Yep. It gave a really good overview. Uh, we have a DVD. They sell through ConeyIsland.com. There's a historical DVD of footage, um, and there's a ton of stuff on the on the internet. Yes, there is on that thing. <laughs> the, the magical interwebs. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to... Uh, it's always a pleasure to see you. Oh, and uh, and you, my <laughs> friend. And you. Well, I wish you extraordinary success and good fortune with getting Scanorama, you know, not only a higher level of exposure and visibility, but uh, turning some coin at the same time. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's real exciting. It's, it is exciting being, you know, kind of like exploring all this stuff. Uh, and being on the forefront of all this cutting-edge technology. Yeah, man. How does it feel <laughs> to be a pioneer? <laughs> it was good. Actually, one of my 3D printing heroes came out today. Oh, fab. So that was kind of cool. It was this guy, Tony Buser, who works for MakerBot. And 
he had done a lot of the early scanning work that led to the development of all this stuff I'm doing. So that was kind of cool to be graced with his presence today. Wow. How cool. May um, you continue to be graced with spectacular presences. Oh, well, I am today. Oh, bless your heart. <laughs> Thanks, honey. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. All right. Pleasure seeing you. Lunch with legs. And there you have it, folks, my interview with the great Fredini. As you can tell, life sort of took over in the middle there. Man, I I respect anyone who is willing to sit out in the cold with people asking all sorts of questions. It was really, it was really cool to witness that. Um, anyway, you guys can find out more about The Great Fredini at thegreatfredini.com. I also highly encourage you to go visit coneyisland.com to learn everything. Oh, Jesus Christ. So that, folks, again, what would an episode of Lunch with Legs be without one of the cats destroying something? And that... What you just heard was a tumble thanks to the wonderful Helen Yeller, who is now enormous and precocious. No more purring kittens. Think tiny dragon. Anyway, <laughs> thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, go check out ConeyIsland.com. Go Google the Coney Island History Project and find out about the history of Coney, about the good fight that they are fighting now to retain the little zoning that they do have left and maintaining the true spirit of Coney Island. And also, before I personally sign off, I just want to say, if you guys want to show your support for us, you can show it with dollars via PayPal. You can donate on our website, lunchwithlegs.com. Also, I totally welcome your emails. Do you have a review or a suggestion or a request? Uh, go ahead, email us, lunchwithlegs at gmail.com. Last but not least, we're gonna we're gonna start playing with the outros here. Dave and I are, you know, we got we got lots of jobs, but we do love doing this podcast. So we're gonna start playing with some formats. So I'm going to, for the first time, sign off with proper credits. So the Lunch with Legs theme music was created by the one and only Nico Tower. Your executive producer is David Lawrence Bird, and I have been your host, Legs Malone. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. I wish you all a wonderful week. Take good care of yourselves. And I wish you all the love and good warm hot tea and warm baths in this crazy spring weather. Stay warm. Stay healthy, guys. See you next week. Bye. Want some lunch for your ears? Lunch with legs. <laughs>